Welcome to Masters of Employee Development, Mike Acker's podcast devoted to training team members in any type of organization. As a best-selling author, corporate trainer, and business leader, I seek out guests each week to discuss training successes, challenges, and best practices. On this show, you will hear from incredible CEOs, HR directors, and other experienced managers responsible for leadership and development. Lean in, listen, and take part in a community dedicated to improving life through increasing leadership. Employee development. What does it take to develop people, whether you're a brand new manager or you have been at the top of the chain for a long time? Today, we're going to have a conversation, myself and Lisa Mitchell, about what to do, how to do it. We're going to talk about intentionality, potential, communication, all these different areas. It's a blast today as we dive in. So get ready to follow with a pen and paper or your thoughts or let your thoughts go because we're going to cover a whole bunch today. So check it out. Lisa, thank you so much for being on the program with me today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. So we're talking about employee development. And so the majority of people listening to this segment on YouTube or to the podcast are in HR, their leadership, their CEO, there's somebody who is in charge of developing people, the, the human capital, the, the main part of the business, as I like to think about it. So why are you uniquely qualified to be on Masters of Employee Development? Well, it is a tall order. I've listened to some of your past guests and, and um, uh, really impressive. So for me, I spent over 25 years in corporate Canada um, in senior leadership roles. Uh, my most recent corporate role was uh, VP of talent management. So really overseeing or organizational development employee experience. I've also done some straight up HR business partnering and so on. So, um, so a lot of time in the trenches, as they say. And currently, I have my own consulting firm, Green Apple Consulting. So I'm a talent management thought partner and consultant, and I'm a results coach. So I work with people through group coaching programs, one-on-one, and in the consulting kind of space as well. So as a corporate, like I used to corporate Canada, it's so funny because I'm so used to saying corporate America. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and actually there's overlap because some of those companies were U.S. owned. So <laughs> I kind of had a blend. Yeah. 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 Corporate North corporate. America. How, yeah. how We should both just go there. <laughs> yeah. I, I was about to say that when you said it. So good. And we're on the same page. So as someone who was in that field and who got to be here and here and raise up and then raise up others. And now on the outside, you have a unique perspective because you've been in it. And then you've been outside of it, like like I am right now as well. So when you come to this, let's let's put this whole idea of masters in employee development. Let's put a name on it. So who's someone that you've been able to be a part of, raise up, and help them experience success? So you know, it's it's. Uh really an easy, easy uh, question for me to answer because there's a very unique, special, talented individual. And I'm going to give her a shout out here, Christine Darnbro. And I've actually hired her in three different companies over, it was probably over about a span of 15 years in three different 
roles. So the first time she was a fairly junior trainer, newer learning consultant and um, brought her into an organization, saw her grow and do great things. And then fast forward a few years later, I brought her in. It was more on a contract basis. She was doing a special project within the HR learning team. And then later on, I brought her into a third company as my director of organizational development. So the reason she stands out, and I, I don't really want to take any credit here, okay? There's a reason why I kept going back to her. It's because when I couldn't find in the market what I was looking for, I knew I had to go to her. She wasn't necessarily the best qualified in each of those cases, but I think you and I agree, it's not always about experience and credentials. It's about, um, there's a bit of a je ne sais quoi, right, that certain people have. So she has this, I get it right? She, she, she gets along with people, plays well in the sandbox. People like her. She nurtures those relationships. She's also um, somebody who's not afraid to roll up their sleeves and she's curious. She asks great questions. She, she comes with a learner mindset, right? Not why do you do it this way? It's, oh, interesting. So tell me how we got here. So that really works cross-functionally anywhere you go, even if you don't have depth of experience yet in a particular area. Now, you said it's not something that you really did and you can't take credit for. I want to say that there is something that you did that all of us can need to do as well. I mean, it is yeah, the opportunities. I'm sure you provided training, but also just that belief that you just exuded right there in her saying that, yeah, yeah I got this role for her. She might not be qualified, but I believe she can get to that. That's a great point. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's just I want to put her at the forefront in terms of what she brings to the table. Now, certainly... You know, if you were to ask her, you know, was Lisa helpful in any, any way? I think she would say yes. I know she would. Um, we're still friends and in touch and so on. So I really helped her grow um, in terms of her strategic skills and her critical thinking and, um, you know, how to work with stakeholders and so on. So for sure, there was a lot of uh, mentoring and learning from each other along the way. But I, I agree with you. It's that belief because, you know, preparing for today, I was thinking about there's a few other people, you know, in my career that I can think of where I was like, you, Mike, there's, you know what, I, I, I have this over here and I know it seems like this is coming out of the blue. I think you'd be really amazing. This would be a great opportunity. And so there's a few people I could name off the top of my head like that, you know, and I think, um, and I think on the other end too, there's mentors and leaders I've had yeah. who have seen something in me that I didn't see in myself, right. Right. That were, you know, responsible in some way for, for, um, incredible growth, uh, you know, on my growth, uh, trajectory, my career. So it's such an interesting thing because even the title of this segment on YouTube or this podcast masters of employee development, yes, it, it's fun because a true master in some ways shouldn't actually believe that they're a master. Well, uh, yes, I think, I think the, the most important quality really here for leaders is humility. I right. think if you think you know it all, then we're done. Go home. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, to 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 create willing followers that want to come along with you, we have to demonstrate that we're learning equally. We may be further along in certain certain areas because we've had more experience and and so on, or 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 think a certain way that's needed in that moment. Um, and yet, 
it's we're partners. That's why I characterize myself not as a consultant, but as a talent management thought partner, because I really feel that it helps people to have the visual visual of I'm I'm with you elbow to elbow, even if we're on Zoom. Okay, I'm elbow to elbow. I'm with you. I'm helping you think through stuff out loud and and put it into a framework and kind of bring some clarity to the mind swirl. Right. So you can get where you want to go faster. Uh, even when I just think about an email that I got yesterday about someone crediting me for how they've got into certain uh, certain heights in their in their new endeavors, and it's been really cool. But I think I would go back to the same thing. Like, well, she did it, yeah. but then she would say you did it. And there's this really cool relationship of two humble people who acknowledge that yes, they had a part in it and they played that part, but also crediting the other person which is a really cool part of development. It's not one-sided. No, it's, 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 it's acknowledgement of what everybody brings to the table. So as someone who's on the outside and someone who's been on the inside, what are some of the primary challenges in employee development? So I, I have a restaurant and I have 10 employees or I have a retail franchise and I have a series of employees or I have a large... SaaS company, and I have a lot of employees. What are some of the current challenges that you're seeing people face in employee development? So I think there's, um, you know, given the pandemic and and the the work from home kind of wave that we've been going through, uh, I think there's a disjointedness right now in terms of communication. People, you know, it's constantly shifting. Some people are in the office, some people are out. Now we're none of us are in. It, it really depends on the company. Um, and who's considered essential services and so on, but there's this disjointedness to communication. There's not, it's not always in flow. So it's trying to figure out how do we, you know, put systems in place to, to make that work better. And I think combined with that, you have very meeting heavy cultures, like exhaustingly meeting heavy where people have no time to think, breathe, create, dream, make meaning of stuff, right? Um, and I think that's that's a major challenge right now. And that's that's something I'm on a mission to help people resolve. Um, yeah, there's also, you know, I see, it, it's funny because it started before the pandemic. I worked in some global companies and 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 Canadian brands as well, where the the work population was really widely dispersed in multiple locations, huge numbers of people. So it was also about how do you get to all of these folks and also make the learning meaningful for them and just in time, especially if you have a really wide array of, of roles and responsibilities and where people are and how much time they have behind a computer or they're caring for people and you know they're not behind a desk, all sorts of different challenges related to that as well. I mean, the disjointedness is something that seems to grow as divisiveness grows. So we have divisive around topics, we have divisive oh. around uh, all kinds of different areas. So how, Oh, bless you. <laughs> bless you. There. That, I think it's the first time ever. Now, you should know this about me too, Lisa. I do a non, uh, non-stop, no-edit show. So right there, uh, maybe we'll, we'll bring down the volume. It's okay. I have allergies. I might, I might just um, throw one in there too for good measure. We'll see. <laughs> I can even get to the mute button in time. Yeah. <laughs> If you're just thrown off there, uh, there you go. At least it's not like a yawn where now you just start a whole cascade. Okay, but going back to the disjointedness part here. It's disjointed because of the hybrid stuff. We have disjointed because of the the move and people are moving jobs a whole bunch. 
what is, and you talked about systems, what is a system that we can talk about, discuss, bring up here, remind people of, or teach someone? What is a system that can bring about some of this disjointedness? And then let's come into the meetings here in a moment, because I think that'll be a fascinating conversation with this, a lot of heavy, yeah. heavy on meetings. One of the very first gentlemen who was on this, he said, I let people fire themselves from meetings. I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> yeah, interesting I, I believe in that too. That's, that's, uh, that's an interesting way to put it. Um, so it actually, it actually relates to, um, there's a couple things here. So I think the systems involve being intentional, right? Giving, helping people understand that in order to become intentional, you have to be intentional about getting there. So carving the space and honoring it, right? To, um, to plan, think, do the bigger, the bigger work kind of thing. Get to the bigger rocks, the most important stuff. Otherwise, you're just kind of barely keeping your head above water. Um, and that relates to meetings. So one of the key systems, I think, is... Um, I, in the organizations I work with and also have worked in, there's, there's too much of meetings for the sake of meetings, meetings to update people, stuff that could have been read. And people say, but people come to the meeting, they haven't read the pre-read. So then don't have the meeting say, I'm, go back, read it, and then come prepared. Like, you know, you, 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 you train people to live into what you're tolerating a little bit, right? So I think more frequent shorter meetings with really um, clear expectations around why are we together? We're here to actually collaborate, right? right? It's because this isn't something that can be done in an email string, right? Or, or on a Slack board. This is something where we need to ask each other's question, each other questions and be dynamic in our thinking, right? If there's background information and so on, let's take care of that before. So it's becoming more productive. So I think that's an important piece. Yeah, definitely with meetings, I like the aspect of having more conflict in meetings and really where there's a disagreement and you're bringing it about, uh, but always to know the purpose, because sometimes the purpose of a meeting is going to be that conflict and let's get to something. Sometimes the purpose of a meeting is to share knowledge. Sometimes it's just to get an update, but then yeah. tailoring the size and the time of that. I think the systems part is huge because the system says this is how we do certain things. And if you have them quick to the point, it removes some of that disjointedness. What, what are the some other systems that you've been bringing in to some of the people that you've been working with or that you did yourself? Yeah. So I, I talk a lot about it in, with my clients about this concept of embed and thread and how language precedes behavior. So if you want to have transformation or behavioral change or get people behind a particular way of doing things, right, how we do things around here, then you've got to get everybody on board with the same way of articulating that. What's the common language of values of leadership behaviors? And how are we going to be accountable to ourselves and each other, right? So it's getting really clear on that. And then embedding that language and that accountability into everything we do. It could be from the president's town hall quarterly updates to the performance enablement program, how that's done, continuous conversations, um, how daily team huddles start, right? Embedding that language and also I think it's, you know, back to sort of the humility conversation. It's remembering it's not just about leaders, blah, like just filling people up with knowledge and, and tasks. It's a, it's a conversation. How do we create opportunity for dialogue help? Because most of the time people know what to do. They just might need some help, you know, 
from someone who can facilitate that discovery, right, of what they need to do. So that coach-like approach to leadership. So I, so I think, um, you know, I think about my last organization, we worked really hard to um, cultivate a culture of accountability. So it started with that language. We embedded it throughout systems. I was really deliberate in insisting that we not drown people in new models and frameworks constantly, because that was a bit of an issue when I first got there. It was, okay, let's let's yeah. tailor this. What's the most essential piece? And let's really, really give it some time for people to for it to integrate, to kind of, you know, you know, the, the visual of the rocks with the pebbles in the sand, like, let's give it some time to settle in, take root before we add anything else into the mix. So I think that's key in systems design, systems thinking. I think when you're talking about this accountability, if you can create a system where people are mutually accountable, instead of just accountable to their boss, you're going to have a, an environment where employees are pulling out the best in each other, and pushing for each other versus just always having to go into that meeting. I remember reading the the um, Steve Jobs uh, biography that yeah. came out several years ago. Fantastic read. And although there's, I'm sure there's problems with this as well. One of the things that he had created in the culture was that it was all A players and A plus players. So if you had a B player come in, the accountability culture, the systems, the the follow-up, the vibe, the communication, all of that right there would cause that B person to feel so uncomfortable that that B person would eventually leave because they knew that they didn't even belong. So it wasn't accountability straight up. It was right. accountability like, hey, we're doing our job. You're not doing yours. Pull your weight. Well, and, I, you know, I mean, we're talking about masters of employee developments, the leaders and leaders are, are employees, too. And I think often we do them a disservice. We think, OK, you know, I was talking to a client the other day and they're like, oh, it was a newer client and we, we've we've never done any formal training for our, our leadership and they don't have time to be like a full day in a workshop or anything like this. So um, we're starting to figure out what this is going to look like. I think often, though, we'll do the training kind of as an event. Right. And then expect they're going to go out and immediately know how to apply it. And that's not the case. So when I was referencing that culture of accountability through that language and that embedding in all of our systems and tools and, and constantly talking about it and and and, you know, communicating with the employees and taking their questions and refining, it became so that it was second nature. So the leaders now that, that created some accountability. They weren't just, I see a lot of lip service, right? The leaders get the training, but they go out, they're not sure how to put it into play, right? And so, or they might say, yeah, thanks for that. I'm not doing these performance conversations the way you told us to, or you're not know, going to do it my own way, right? whatever it looks like. But you've got to create buy-in with that constant dialogue and conversation and showing, modeling the way, giving them opportunity to try stuff out and then debrief on it. What kind of models have you seen that are going to work the best for that? How do we, so say there's a company, someone's listening right now going, okay, that sounds good. Where do I start? Like what, what are my, what are the steps I'm going to take to get to that spot? Well, you know what, this is going to sound kind of maybe too simple. I'm all about decomplexifying, however. So, so I think the simplest thing is linking into that language, have a strong set of values that it's not a list on the wall. It's co-created with employees, right? And refined and seen as, as something meant to evolve and also get really clear on the, the be leadership behaviors and employee behaviors. You can call them core competencies, leadership competencies, whatever you want. But like, what does it look like in terms of 
how we want to get the work done around here, right? So it's not just the skills and the experience that you bring to the table, but it's how we show up, how we cooperate, how we collaborate, how we innovate. What does it actually look like? And then actually um, distill that into specific examples. Because sometimes you have these lofty sort of competency statements and people are like, but I don't know, what does teamwork actually look like for me when I'm a solo programmer, right? Okay, well, let's let's define that. So I think um, that's where I've always started. Let's get really clear on that, right? And then get everybody involved in some way, always really, really important, get that involvement to get that buy-in and then start baking it in and, and building in the feedback loops, right? For everybody around that. I mean, the feedback loops, they're, they're even coming up with a system for that, whether it's like, hey, we're going to do feedback loops, uh, like we're going to create everybody does, for, for example, I was running a team and every single Monday we had a simple survey for people to fill out. And it was just part of our feedback loop going into it. And then we had certain meetings set throughout the week that were just short touch base meetings and that we could elaborate on one. And they all knew what they were supposed to bring in those 30 minute meetings. But it was a system for us to hear from them, for us to hear from them. I, I'm of the mindset that that one system that we need to have in place is instantaneous corrections instead of waiting for it to be waiting. And then people are like, what are you talking about? Why are you telling me now? That kind of thing. Right. And that having those feedback loops part of it, even at the end of a meeting where sometimes I mean, nowadays it's so simple, you can get a quick little email that says, how was that? Or what needs to be done? Those kind of things can be systematically helpful. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I've, I've done a lot of the same, right? Like, so it's having regular cadence around meetings, both one-on-one and team and building in the expectation. We're going to do some feedback here, feedback for you, feedback for me, you know, about how things are going in the department. Um, And I, and I also think that um, something that, that people stumble over sometimes is they expect when they ask employees for feedback, that they're just going to give it. And then they're like, oh my God, it's crickets. I'm not getting anything. And I always offer, you know, how can you simplify it and make it safe for them? And a great question to ask is often, you know, what's one thing that I could do or we as a team could do that would make your life better, make it easier to do your role, whatever, just one small thing doesn't have to be massive, you know, because I really want to understand that I'm not promising I can do it. You don't you don't have to promise you, but you can position it, but make it safe for them to open up and, and actually start thinking about that. Do you think a lot of times that employees aren't talking about what's going difficulty and why they're not getting developed or they're leaving simply because they don't feel safe? Absolutely. What are some of the factors for people not feeling safe in a, in a work environment? Um, I, you know, the stuff that I, I hear is frequently, you know, they talk the talk, don't walk the walk. Right. So it's this this perception that, you know, there's people making decisions up here and they're acting a particular way and they're saying you need to do this, but they're not doing the same. So so I think it's, you know, for leaders, it's super important to to remember that and remember what it's like to be the employee. There's always automatically because of that um, authority kind of line of sight, there's already a bit of um, distance that's created with that. And don't underestimate what that does for people's perceptions, right? And in the absence of communication, where do we go? Negative, right? Oh my God, Mike hasn't texted me back yet. 
is something wrong. Like we go negative. It's just human nature. So, um, so I think it's important to remember that distance and communicate, communicate, communicate. It's, there's never a time to under communicate in my particular opinion. Um, you know, I think we've got to share when I teach change management or critical communication, it's always around three key pillars, right? Acknowledge where people are at, right? And ask questions, choose to learn, lean in that way, um, provide context. Here's what I'm thinking about. Here's a decision coming up that we need to make, yeah. right? And I need your input on, you know, the different options and what am I missing? So it's, it's give context, get context, and then involve people to the degree you can. If a decision has been taken, fine. How can you involve them in rolling it out in a way that, you know, impacts them? Um, if people feel like they're out of the loop or they don't have a say, I think they disengage, they feel unsafe, and they're more likely to answer that recruiter's call. Right. And then we have been playing a part in the great resignation. We've lost somebody that yeah. we didn't necessarily want to want to lose in that regard right there. The, the safeness is, I think, is a huge aspect of employee development. When we, we think about thriving nations, they're yes. going to thrive in times of peace. Think about how difficult it is right now in Ukraine with, with everything oh. that's just disastrous. And yet when there's times of peace, then there's all kinds of, there, there can be an argument that World War II, you know, helped America in some different ways. But if you really think about it, it's really the times of peace where people feel safe, that they're able to develop things, build things, and our employees can build things and develop things. You talked about change management. I think it's really interesting. So you're a manager over here, you get hired or you move over here, and now you are coming in. And often the the mandate is to change things. We yes. want you to change things, production, money, but the things and the money is produced by people. And so change management is really about people. So, so talk to us a little bit about someone who's listening right here going, I'm going to go from this employee development situation and I'm going to come over here. What are some things that they need to be aware of as they come into this new environment? As a, as a leader, do you mean? That they're coming in as the leader. Yeah. Okay. So are you familiar with the first 90 days book by Michael Watkins? Yeah. So it's a, it's an older one now, but it's, it, there's some really, really um, useful thinking in that book. If, if you're not um, familiar with it for the listeners, I think I was gifted it for one and then no one ever followed up on it. They got handed it, put it on my desk and like, here, read this. And then <laughs> with it. So, so I think I read part of it. And then I was like, are we discussing this? Is oh, this that's sad. Into? And then I'm reading it going, well, no one else is doing this. Anyway, so that was just. Yeah. Well, again, it comes into that embed and thread and baking it in, right. And creating a common language, like in the organization where, where, you know, I use that book, we actually held like supported HR. I was in HR at the time. We supported new senior leaders coming in. We would give them the book. And then we would, we actually had a bit of a, a sort of workbook thing, but a series of meetings to help them work through yeah. their onboarding, the challenges they were seeing, the allies, the challengers they were encountering. And, and how do you start, you know, making steps in a way that doesn't get immediate pushback, right? Because nobody likes someone who comes in and says, 
that's not the way you should do it. Or why do you do it that way? Right. It creates immediate defensiveness. Nobody wants to feel like they've been, you know, somebody thinks they've been doing it wrong the whole time. I think new leaders new to a role or new into a, a company have to remember that things are done a certain way because people were doing the best they could. Right. It may they may have had blind spots, but we don't know what struggles they were encountering, right? Maybe somebody was doing the work of three people, et cetera, et cetera, right? So it's around, um, you know, taking your time. I think I think initially it's, and, and again, give context to people. Right now for the next two months, all I'm doing is meeting with the team, meeting with my peers, other stakeholders, really understanding lay of the land, learning the business, and then and, and what are the challenges and what are the things people would like to see happen next? And then we're gonna talk as a team about what's feasible, what's not, and we're gonna prioritize. We're gonna go back and vet that with our stakeholders, and then we're gonna start. You know, so it's it's being super transparent about the fact it's a process. The biggest mistake I've seen, I was just talking about this with somebody the other day on my podcast. The biggest mistake I've seen with leaders myself, either reporting into them or just or or leaders that I've supported in organizations is coming in being a bit of the proverbial bull in a china shop. Mm-hmm. You know, where they just they're so eager to make their mark and hit the ground running, as we like to say. And that's all needed, right? They probably have a 90-day plan they're expected to deliver on. Um and, and yet they're not telling anybody about it and they're just making change. Like, this is how I've always done it. Mm-hmm. And this is going to work here. And that's not necessarily true. What got you here won't necessarily get you there as Marshall Goldsmith tells us. So um, I think it's being very intentional, really choosing to involve the people around you that are impacted by your decisions and, yeah. and your success. Yeah. Yeah, you know, when you look at this, this issue of, coming in there and the context. Uh, one of the things I say a lot of what I do is communication coaching. And uh, one of the things I often say is that uncertainty leads to insecurity. And now yes. that's very true for ourselves. Like if I'm uncertain of whether this environment is safe or if I'm uncertain of if people like me or if I'm uncertain of my skills, then I'll be insecure. But even in, as a, a leader or managing people, if you know their uncertainty produces insecurity them and if you can set up systems like where feedback where they know where they are even if they know that they're doing poorly they know where they're doing poorly they know what they're doing poorly and they know how to change it well and that's key too it's not just this isn't working you have to fix it it's let's talk about how to fix it right how do you course correct and i and i also think it's 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 not leaving it to your point earlier to the last minute right like let's get really clear at the outset of any task, project, big or small, what are the outcomes? Mike, what are you thinking you're delivering here? And then I'll, like, here's what I'm expecting. Now, how do those things line up or not? And let's figure that out right now so that there's no surprises. And then have frequent milestones where we're checking in and there's time to course correct before something goes off the rails. I mean, that's learned over many years leading people, I'll tell you, right? Because, you know, I remember being a junior manager and just thinking, well, I get it. It's super clear in my head. I know what I want and where it should be. Right. And, and then being so surprised that people didn't make any traction or it was the wrong traction in the wrong direction, you know, and, and whose fault is that? Usually we got to look inwards, look in the mirror. So it's interesting. We've, we've mentioned a couple of times on the communication. And one of the things I've got a chance to do is go in to work with companies and their communication, just improving it. 
because yeah. a lot of people are not saying what they mean. They're not meaning what to say, or they're taking way too long to lead a meeting that could be 10 minutes wasting. One company was wasting about $20,000 a week. Oh yeah. A thousand employees. I believe it. I mean, so oh. much so that waste of time, waste of energy, waste. And going back to something you said earlier, the communication, it's the communication, not only of the context, it's the communication, not only of the certainty, it's a communication of how you do it. And all these different areas provide that kind of area and environment where an employee can grow up. Well, and we've got to give people more voice, a chance to voice and think out loud. Because I talk about something in my work a lot, the, the mind swirl, right? And um, I actually talk about um, this, this one model really that I've created the talent leaders growth continuum. So, so imagine two axes. So you have, you know, uh, your intentionality, how intentional you are, and then your potential. And when you are low intentionality and not really living into your potential, you're just kind of surviving. It's not your fault. It's just, it's just a state of affairs. You're in what I call the vortex, like the sandstorms. You just like the, the mind swirl is taking over and you're overwhelmed and it's really hard to sort out fact from fiction. And so as you, as you become more intentional and start to say, okay, I feel like I should go faster. In actual fact, you need to step back, take some time, clear your head, take care of yourself, right? Focus on some self-mastery here around the emotions and so on that you might be experiencing and become more intentional. What's the most important thing here? What do I really need? And I'm only going to focus on that. And then I'm going to go further and moving up that continuum to what I call the oasis where 80% of your time, you're intentional and you're living into your potential. Um, I, I think that's the secret sauce, right? Like it's giving yourself and, and, and helping employees have time to think out loud and to think with each other. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I love this. Hey, some good thoughts here. We, we're coming up on our time. So is there anything that you're saying, hey, listen, leaders, remember this. Any kind of just final nugget that you just want to say, make sure blank. So leaders, create opportunities for yourselves and for your employees to think out loud, to, to, to actually just think, dream, chat through, not be so rushing to objectives all the time. That's part of the process, an important integral part of it. It's some margin and yes. margin and communicated margin. Hey, we're coming into a meeting, we're coming to time, and this we have margin in this. There should be meetings that should be short to the point, but I love what you're saying here is sometimes you have to have more space not rushed. Just make sure you're letting people know that you're in that one of those kind of meetings. Yes, absolutely. It's all about, right? Giving the context, right? What's yeah, I love them. I love what's the, the outcome. Right there. Yeah. Well, and, well, this is fantastic. People, uh, where can people find you, Lisa? So they can find me at greenappleconsulting.ca and forward slash contact will actually take you to a form where you can book a time with me if you're interested in a clarity catalyst call. And I can tell you about how I support talent management leaders. Ah, fantastic. This is great. Lisa, thank you so much for, for sharing this and for having a conversation with me and going in all these different environments. And we ended up taking a little bit of a trip there. It's fun, fun to do so. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was a really great conversation. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And to all of our listeners, you're the reason why we do this, our viewers. So thank you so much. 
for taking some time to tune in as you drive, as you work, as you do whatever you might be doing. Make sure you like, subscribe, comment, share, pass this on, and look up Lisa, and we'll have all of her contact in the show notes as well. So until next time, this has been Masters of Employee Development with Mike Acker and Lisa Mitchell. Thanks for listening to Masters of Employee Development. Do you know someone who would be a great guest? Send them to mikeacker.com forward slash apply. Do you want the show notes? Go to connect.mikeacker.com. Until next time, subscribe, rate, and give a review on Amazon or iTunes or your favorite platform. Thank you.